you bow your heads in prayer? Father, we ask that this morning you would open our hearts to your word as you used a star to lead those wise men to you. Use your word to lead us to you this morning. In your name we pray, amen. It's a big question right now, right? Get a sniffle, get a sore throat, get a fever, headache. Do I have it? Right? Do I have COVID? Do I need to go get tested? The virus is contagious. In fact, we're told that in the UK, they've got an even more contagious version of the virus. Nobody wants to get tested. The least little chance that we've been exposed sends everyone into quarantine or out to get tested. We don't want anyone else to catch it. I got tested the week before Christmas. And I have to tell you, I was very relieved to hear at that point anyway, I was negative that with all the services and all the people that were going to be gathered here and all the people that I was going to have a hard time staying six feet from, right? No one wants to get COVID-19. The question, are you contagious, is not normally a positive question. At least not when it comes to a virus. What about your faith? You know, it's different then, isn't it? To think of being contagious with the faith is a good thing. In fact, I would say to you that I would be all for it if beginning here we could start a pandemic of faith in our community and in our world. So that's what we're going to talk about during Epiphany. We're going to talk about becoming a contagious Christian. You see, God puts us where we are because he wants people to catch the faith from us. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is, are you a contagious Christian? Now, what is that? A contagious Christian is a person who is so in love with Jesus that everyone knows it. You've been around them. They, they seem to always be talking about him. They, they look for opportunities. They pray for opportunities. They seize opportunities. I met one the other day. We had to have a plumber come out. And as soon as he was done with whatever he was doing, He started talking about Jesus. And boy, when he found out I was a preacher, boy, did he start talking about Jesus. 
It's sort of like being around somebody that works in a bakery. You know it because they smell like fresh baked bread, right? And you smell it and you think, oh, I want some of that. It's like going past the old Cinnabon stores in the mall. Well, a contagious Christian, the Bible says, is someone who spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him, of Jesus. You want to get to know them. You want to know God like that person. And so the question, I'm going to ask you again, are you contagious? It's hard to imagine how somebody could be around God and not be contagious. Our God is a contagious God who has a contagious love. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only Son to be our Savior. No greater love has any man than this, Jesus said, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And, and that's exactly what Jesus did. And in fact, that love is so contagious that it took hold of the Apostle Paul. And I want you to hear Paul describe in our text today exactly the difference that it made. Jim read this before. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to spread everywhere the aroma of Jesus. How can anyone know God and not be contagious? And yet it happens, doesn't it? I want you to think. When you hear that someone has this COVID, what's your first reaction? You feel sorry? You pray for them? But you don't want to go see them, do you? You want them to quarantine. Even you ladies that are sitting out here that work with the patients, you put on protective gear and masks and headgear and, and you wash. And I think you told me, and you wash. And you wash. Because nobody wants to get it. You keep them at a distance. Folks, we do that with God. We keep him at a distance sometimes. Oh, we let him get just close enough so that we can know enough to know we're saved. But not close enough that it changes how we live. That scares us. Sometimes that's because whatever it is out there, there's things in our lives that we know should change, but we don't want them to change. It can be something that has a hold of us. It doesn't have to be an addiction. It doesn't have to be alcoholism. It can be that. It's something that has a hold of us. It can be gossiping. It can be greed. It can be lying. It can be controlling people, whatever it is, something that 
we use to handle life. And even though it's negative, we don't want to give it up because we don't know how we're going to handle life without it. And so we keep God at a distance lest he get too close and make us change that thing. Sometimes, sometimes we keep him at a distance because we're afraid if we get too serious, what will people think? How will the people at work react? Will people look at us like we're fanatics or crazy? See, I think a lot of us settle for a convenient Christianity. Go to church when it's convenient, but when we're tired or when there's something else to do, it's no big deal to miss. Maybe go for a couple hours on Sunday. Go to church, go to Sunday, or maybe just sit in our living room because that's what we have to do right now, and I understand that. But I have to tell you, and I'm not the only pastor worried about this. Worried that this long pandemic, this long absence is going to make a convenient Christianity even easier. Now, there's danger in that. See, the danger of a convenient Christianity is that we've been exposed to just enough of the Christian faith to be immune to it. Instead of being infected with the faith, we've been vaccinated against it. I want you to listen to James as he describes what that kind of faith looks like. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Thank God he is not content to be convenient used to drive me crazy when I was a kid. I'd be nice and comfortable in my bed. Lights would be out. Six o'clock in the morning when everybody should be asleep. And my dad wouldn't just come in and say, Wayne, it's time to get up. No, my dad would come in and he'd flip on every light in the room. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get I hated it. Well, it's what our God has done. There in Isaiah 60, darkness covered the earth. Thick darkness was over the people. And God threw the light switch, right? The the Lord rises upon you and the glory of the Lord shines over you. That's what he did in that manger, isn't it? 
He flipped on the light. Even though man was walking away, God wasn't content to leave it that way. God came himself. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save you and me. The Bible says Jesus came to his own. And his own didn't receive him, but that didn't stop him. To those he kept coming, so that those who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the power to become the children of God. The Word, God himself, became flesh and dwelt, lived among us, and we have beheld his glory. Glory is the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Think of Paul. Paul was trying to destroy the Christian faith. In fact, he had letters from the leaders in Jerusalem giving him permission to go all the way to Damascus to round up more Christians and throw them into jail. Kind of guy you'd think God would want to avoid. But instead, Jesus decides he's going to make his one appearance since the ascension. At that moment, meets this Paul, who at that time was called Saul, on the road to Damascus in a blinding light. Time to get up! Time to get up! Changed Paul's life. That's what he's writing about here in Ephesians. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That same God who met Paul on the road to Damascus meets you today on Austin Parkway in Sugarland. That's what the children's message was about. The same Jesus who appeared to Jesus, Paul, on that road and changed his life, came to you in baptism, comes to you every time the word is preached, listens to your prayer, meets you at his table, serves you with his own body and blood. And I should have held the star over all of you, because guess what? He also meets you through the people who are sitting around you. You know, when I was a kid, and I bet a lot of us here from my age group could say this is true, when my mom heard that somebody in the neighborhood had chicken pox, didn't know about the connection with shingles then, right? She would hurry us over to play with those kids so we would get chicken pox and get it over with. You're all laughing. I know that happened to some of you, right? Well, that's how... Faith is spread person to person. That's why he gathers us here. And thank God we have the internet right now and we can do the live stream. But folks, it's never been more important that you call and stay connected with each other. And when this is finally over, it's really important that we reach out and we welcome everyone back here. Because that's how it spreads. Person to person to person. He brings us here. So we catch it. 
and then he sends us out. Right? Folks, I know you're thinking, but I don't have a story like Paul's. I know I don't. I've, I've, been, a, I've been a believer since January 1st, 1959. I was two months old. I don't remember month about, much about those two months before. I know you hear those stories about these great conversions events, you know, people that had their whole life was a mess, and I think they're wonderful stories, right? And, and they come to Jesus, and, they, and, and their life is changed. I think that's great, but that's not my story. And so I hear that story, those stories, and I think, well, that's, what's wrong with me? Folks, that's why I love the story of Paul. See, Paul had that great conversion event, but then he still struggled. And if you wonder if he struggled, listen to those words. This is after he's a believer. This is as a believer that Paul's talking. He says, what do I do? What I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's something I can identify with because that's me. I struggle. And I know you do too. Think of what he says. He goes on, he goes on in um, his letter to Timothy. He says, For this reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners. Now, I want you to catch that. In, in the passage from Ephesians that he wrote years before, he said, The least of all God's people. By the time he gets to old age in 1 Timothy, look at what he says I'm the worst. Right? Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him. That's the contagious story of your life too. And mine. In God's forgiveness and grace, his love is on display. If God could forgive Wayne, if God could forgive Jim... He can forgive anybody. People need to meet Jesus in real people like you and me. People who are struggling with the same things they're struggling with and yet can also say to them, and you know what? God loves me and he forgives me and he loves you and he forgives you too. That's a story that changes lives. That's God's story in your life and in mine. And it's contagious. Amen? Now may the peace of God which pass all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.